Hi, everyone. Radhika Jones here, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. With award season in full swing, there's no better time to become a Vanity Fair subscriber. Let our editors take you behind the scenes of this year's nominated films, from prestige indies to major blockbusters, plus exclusive coverage of Hollywood's biggest events. Visit VanityFair.com today and save 10% on a yearly subscription for a limited time with promo code OSCARS. That's VanityFair.com, promo code OSCARS, for 10% off a year of insights and access you won't find anywhere else. Subscribe today while this offer lasts through March 31st, 2024. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Today's episode is brought to you by Empower. It doesn't matter how much money you have, we all have money questions. Empower is here to answer those questions so you don't have to worry. Take control of your financial future with a real-time dashboard and real live conversations to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com, and I'm here with our chief critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. And our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. Guys, we're recording on a very special Emmy nominations day. This is my favorite kind of podcast to record because we got kind of have the adrenaline of the awards nominations still going. And uh, the Emmy nominations were announced just a few hours ago. So we're also kind of figuring it out. And <laughs> unlike the Oscars, there's a zillion categories. So it's kind of impossible to have even figured out everything that's on there. But uh, just initial takes from you guys. Like how do you feel like this is a good crop of nominees? Um, for the most part. I mean, you know, stuff that I love, like American Vandal, which did get you know, a writing nomination, but like didn't show up in the bigger categories. Neither did One Day at a Time. So they're disappointing things like that. But um, but there's also some great representation on here. I, w- I was particularly surprised to see so much Westworld. Yeah, there's so much Westworld. <laughs> what, it got like 21 nominations, I think, or 20, something like that. Uh, right behind Game of Thrones. It's kind of amazing. You think they were listening to your podcast and were like, hey, absolutely more. Of course they were. Yeah, I actually just talked to this a little little inside before it goes up on our website scoop. I was literally just talking to Jimmy Simpson because he got nominated in the guest acting category. And uh, he's on like a little mini holiday because he just got engaged. And so, you know, when it rains, it, good fortune it pours. Wow. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a great crop of acting nominees. I think, yeah, as Richard said, there are definitely some snubs and flubs that we will want to talk about. But I think there's like a good uh, breadth of representation especially of um, in the top categories. There aren't a lot of repeats. There's like a couple double Westworlds um, and Americans and stuff like that. But 
there's just so much, uh, yeah, to, to like represent, I would say, peak TV. There's just so many different shows uh, on display here. It's great. Was there any one nomination that made you guys just jump out of your seats? Uh, I tweeted about mine. And I talked about this before. I interviewed Betty Gilpin about her role in Glow, which I just love. And she was, I think, the only Glow cast member who got nominated, which is crazy. But I was so excited to see that happen. I will steal another one of yours, Katie, because I was so excited on your behalf that Sterling K. Brown got a guest actor. Oh, my God. Uh, nomination. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to take full credit for that one. Sure. I, why not? <laughs> I truly did not think that was going to happen. I was, I mean, obviously they love him, but like, oh, everyone should just go watch that episode. Yeah. Double nominee, Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about you, Richard? I was really excited about Keenan Thompson because he's yeah. been such an invaluable part of Saturday Night Live for however, you know, he's now, I think, the longest running cast member ever. And, like, you know, he gets recognition here and there, but he's not breakout. He doesn't get the movie deals, whatever. And so him getting a nomination for, you know, his many years of good work, I think, is is more than deserved. I also, um, I don't know if you guys do this, because, you know, we have to put our predictions out there. Part of nomination reveal day is me anxiously, like, looking at how wrong, like, how much of uh, a fool do I look? Uh, How wrong were my guesses? Um, And so I did get, like, some smug satisfaction that I at least got all of my Game of Thrones predictions right. The three Lannister siblings were the only actors to be nominated for the show. And I am I think that's the right move, too. So pretty excited about it. And this is Nikolai Koster-Waddell's first nomination, right? Yes, my favorite. My yeah, favorite. your problematic fave. I was mm-hmm. very excited for you when I saw that. Yeah, he deserves it, too, I think. so. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. And like this was a big question of like when Game of Thrones came back, because it was not eligible last year. It was a big question of, like, will it come back and then just once again decimate and dominate in every category? And, like, yeah, it's... It's got the most nominations, I think 22, but um, it's like, you know, a, a few big swings they took, which are Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark in the lead acting categories did not pan out for them. So they are not like far and away ahead of uh, in front of everyone else as they were in previous years. I think part of that has to do with the fact that season seven debuted like a year ago at this point and it was a, yeah. it was a shorter season and there was just so much of an emphasis on spectacle rather than uh you know a lot of room for performance and so i think you know you see it of course showing up in all the technical categories as it always does but uh its lead in front of handmaid's tale and westworld is not as you know wide as you would expect it to be so end of an era maybe do you have any sense of a front runner or in any category, really? Like, you know, kind of dealing with this long list of nominations, it's like, oh, a ton of people. But it's hard for me to get a sense of a narrative of like, oh, well, obviously Glow didn't do as well as expected. Well, anyway, what's your sense of like a, of a runaway hit in all of these? It's in a smaller category, arguably. But um, I don't see any way that Laura Dern loses in the, um, you know, limited series slash TV movie actress category. Yeah. She's up against formidable people like Sarah Paulson, Regina King, people who've won Emmys before. Um, Also, you know, um, Jessica Biel, who was obviously, you know, long been viewed as the heir apparent to Meryl Streep. Um, Indeed. You know, so she's in there. But I think that Dern is right. Got that unlock. Everyone loves her. She's still writing Big Little Lies, you know, good vibes and all that. So. Um, I don't see anyone beating her. And then in the, uh, but on the other side, in the uh, the male category, um, you know, we have Darren Chris, who we knew was going to get nominated for assassination of Gianni Versace, and I think would appear to be in some ways the front runner. Yeah, but like maybe 
John Legend wins and he, he and he finally egots or not finally he's barely been in the egot hunt for only three <laughs> it, years. It but, feels yeah. like John Legend has been with us for so long now. Like yeah. he's, he's overdue for Zika. And uh, just for the log rolling, John Legend, former uh, Little Gold Men guest, uh, to talk about Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, and also you guys did a whole podcast on Versace. So I feel like you can take credit for that and Westworld. Sure, we uh, generated all of these nominations through our podcasting work. Yeah, um, through, but yeah, sheer <laughs> Yeah, but you know, Darren, Chris, John Legend, all guests on various podcasts we've done and they're they're great conversations i conducted none of them so that's not me tuning my own horn but like those are great conversations you want to go back and listen to them but i like i really was very i don't know weirdly personally excited for darren chris because um he just he worked so hard on that show and i think he like whatever you felt about the show and and we liked it a lot but like whatever you felt about it like he his performance is just a staggering piece of work and yeah I, I could see that going all the way I was excited for the show as a whole like they had you know got nominations for Ricky Martin along with Edgar Ramirez and for Finn Whitrock like it, and Judith Light which I was so excited about um, it just seemed like they remembered Versace to an extent that I was kind of worried they might not but not our favorite Cody Fern right Richard no yeah I was hoping to see him and I was like well why did Finn Whitrock get it over him but then you know he's a bigger name slightly but also uh, he did have a big part he's in more know. episodes for yeah sure. But while we're on the EGOT front, an, an, another quieter narrative there is that Pasek and Paul, the songwriting duo who, you know, wrote lyrics for La La Land and won, they, they won a Golden Globe last year for writing This Is Me from Circus Musical, they are up for A Christmas Story. They wrote original songs for that, the, the Matthew Broderick haunting this family. You know, remember the live, <laughs> the, 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 the aired uh, last Christmas? Um, anyway, so they could they could finally, EGOT, after just like two years, uh, kind of in the mix, which would be, which would be kind of amazing for them. Yeah. The other thing that we should probably talk about is uh, the nomination of Sandra Oh, which is something that, you know, we, we had talked about really, or I had talked about really wanting. I think Sonia uh, Soraya, our TV critic, also really wanted it. Um, Killing Eve did pretty well. Like Phoebe Waller-Bridge got nominated for writing. Sandra Oh got nominated. Jodie Comer was overlooked, which I think a lot of us who watch the show think that's a crying shame. But like maybe if it continues to pick up speed, she'll get nominated in the second season. But uh, Sandra Oh is the first ever Asian woman to be nominated in a lead category and that is or it's at least so the crazy. lead drama category and that's like it's pretty shameful pretty pretty shameful but uh but you know couldn't happen to a better uh, performer Sandra is amazing. Yeah, I feel like I should say since we recorded with Sonia that I watched all of Killing Eve kind of like in a in a true binge fashion, and it's so good. I'm so glad I caught it. It's on the BBC America app. Don't make the mistake or do what I didn't catch up with it. Don't wait any longer. Which I I wish I'd seen it sooner. It's great and kind of crazy that BBC America has two act. You know, because Tatiana Maslany got nominated for Orphan Black's final season, so BBC America has like two actresses in the lead category. I would have bet you fifty dollars Orphan Black was over. I had I was so surprised. To see. I thought it was a mistake when they announced her name, which uh, maybe shows how in tune I am with Orphan Black. But yeah, good for them. That's a, I mean, there were, I think we did a profile recently on the woman who's running BBC America drama. She's pretty amazing. Yeah. And like the fact that Orphan Black's success directly led to the existence of Killing Eve and how they're kind of making like smart dramas about women, their niche, like bring it on. Well, she also, she grabbed Phoebe Waller-Bridge before Fleabag got Phoebe Waller-Bridge so much notice. She's like, I think she grabbed her off like seeing her on stage or something like that and she's like you you're great i want to do a show with you and locked that down before fleabag exploded so you know um she's she's got a good eye that lady but um 
The thing that made me jump up and scream as if it like this has to be a mistake uh, is Kyle MacLachlan not getting nominated for Twin Peaks. Um, yeah. Twi- Twin Peaks also didn't get nominated in the limited series category. David Lynch got nominated. David Lynch and Mark Frost got nominated for writing. Like it got nine nominations, but it, it like that it missed out on limited in the limited series category and in lead performance when Kyle MacLachlan did three amazing performances uh, in that show is uh, really astonishing to me. Really upsetting, actually. Yeah, I was in an interesting like mini Twitter conversation with uh, Emily Yoshida, who's a film critic at Vulture, kind of talking about the difference between the Oscars and the Emmys and how people seem to kind of like support the Emmys more as, as being supportive of work that they like. And she pointed at Twin Peaks as an example of like where the Emmys are rewarding good television, but not necessarily like the artsiest or the best television um because you can see like my guess is it was just too weird for the emmys and it's been hard to get television like that and i wonder if we're going to get more and more of that where like something is basically just too good for the emmys to pay attention to kind of like how friday night lights or the wire were being ignored for so long uh speaking of which sorry i i don't mean to talk too much and i want to know what richard thinks about everything but uh the americans got you know this is its final season it got it took a long time for the americans to get recognized at all come award season and um there was some concern that you know, since I don't know, Buzz might have dropped off a bit or whatever it was that it wouldn't get nominated in its final season, but it got nominated in Best Drama. Matthew Reese got nominated. Carrie Russell got nominated. So the question is, like, is this a John Hamm and Mad Men moment? Like, is this the thing? Is this the time where they're like, here's your Emmy for all of the work you've done over this series, and we haven't given you one yet, and you deserve it? Here you go. Um, I don't know if you guys have any. Th- thoughts or predictions on that i mean i could see it working that way i mean i don't think that the americans despite all the critical raves had quite the sort of cultural you know hold that that mad men did so i don't, I don't know if me if carrie russell for example has the same sense of momentum or, or, or that matthew reese does but um and i also think sandra oh has so much goodwill behind her right now that would be such a cool win if she like you know is the dark horse in the category and then wins the whole thing yeah, that would be great. So I'm looking at these these lists of nominees in various categories. Can someone do? Do we know about the Emmys in terms of like the, the rules in terms of how many things get nominated in each category? Because like there are eight series nominated for comedy series, and there are eight supporting comedy actresses nominated. So I'm just like, you know, but that's not true for every category. So did something change, or is this just like a reflection of the TV landscape being broader than it ever has been? I think I'm gonna to bosh this, and maybe Joanna, you know it better, but I think they have some kind of threshold where if you get a certain percentage of the vote, you make it in there, um, okay. even if that expands the category. Joanna, do you know better than I do? I don't know better than that. No. So I always just kind of thought they just wanted to include more people and get more people yeah. into their. Work shows but i think there is a there's a more technical explanation for it does it feel like overkill to you um i mean maybe here and there a little bit like but you know like i said there's so much television now and it's coming at us from all different directions and so you know the emmy's trying to cast a wide net and you know bring in as much as possible i think is good that said it then then it's sort of even more of a problem that certain things aren't getting nominated, you know, like one day at a time or, you know, that that people love that are hits that are critically, you know, praised. And the Emmys still have these blind spots despite, you know, nominating so many different shows. Justice for American Vandal. Man, talk about the things that they deserve to pay attention to. I mean, yeah, you look at the Best Supporting Actress in the comedy category in particular, and you can see how every single one of these people would get a certain number of votes. Like, they're coming from all over the spectrum. you got three different people from Saturday Night Live, and I don't know how you would choose between A.D. Bryant, Leslie Jones, and um, Kate McKinnon, who's, like, the most valuable on there. So it does feel like a spreading of the wealth where you can't really argue with who they managed to include. I think 
the attitude I always wind up coming back to for all of these awards conversations is like, get excited for the things that you love that get unexpected support. Don't be too surprised when the things you love that miss out, miss out. Do you know what I mean? Like use it to amplify. That being said, I did not know before this morning that Ozark was so uh, important to the Television Academy, but now now I do lesson learned. Like it got two directing nominations when Westworld didn't even get one. Like Westworld got so many nominations, but it didn't like Ozark got two directing nominations and Lisa Joy didn't get a nomination for her great episode of Westworld. Come on. Come on, guys. Uh, what's really crazy is that they didn't nominate Laura Linney. Like, if they have that much affection for Ozark and she doesn't get a Best uh, Drama Actress nomination, that and Jason Bateman got an actor nomination. That And the directing nomination. Out. Does that mean that, like, they love Jason? You know, this happens sometimes that they just, like, love certain performers. You know what I mean? So do they just love Jason Bateman? And that's why Jason Bateman got an acting nomination and, and a directing nomination for Ozark. And uh, I, 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 I do know that that's why allegedly why Lily Tomlin is often nominated for Grace and Frankie, not just because she's good on the show, but because of her standing in the television Academy community. Like, I think she was a leader of the television Academy for a long time. So that's like sort of part of it. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, I mean, you can't really blame them for like voting for who they know, you know, sort of thing. So yeah. Like any, like any good club, you want to keep your favorite members in there. Wait, Richard, you liked Ozark, didn't you? Yeah. Ozark's good. I think it's a big hit. I mean, we don't really know about their numbers, obviously. But like with with Bateman getting nominated and the directing nominations, I'm a little surprised that Laura Linney didn't also get a nomination for the show because she's wonderful on it. But you look at that category and it's pretty stacked. Again, you know, Orphan Black, though it it, it ended in 2013, from what I can tell, is still getting nominated (laughs) for things. So maybe the the Maslani slot could have gone to Linney or something. But, um, you know, it's it's hard to say. An interesting thing in terms of you know, nominating new things and forgetting some old things is that this is the first year that Modern Family has not been nominated for a comedy series. Oh, did it get nominated for anything? I don't think so, because, you know, it, it's been a pretty reliable mainstay um, for a decade, essentially. And it got shut out this year and it's not over. It's I mean, it had a whole season this uh, this past year. So um, it's interesting to kind of watch that fade out in favor of blackish which now is the sole network comedy uh represented in the comedy series uh nominations which is you know obviously a huge huge sea change from just 10 years ago modern family won the emmy for five straight years and then uh like veep broke that streak in 2015 and we should also talk about veep which is a big uh game changer in the emmys because julia louis dreyfus is not eligible this year and the whole series isn't eligible but julia louis dreyfus the perennial winner in her category is not eligible and there was like some talk i think it was last year there was this like weird online campaign of like julia louis dreyfus should just like like decline the nomination because she just has too much and let someone else you know she and, has and then, how many emmys does she have it's like eight it's so many but the you know she holds the record by far but this year there's a bunch of other women who will have a have a chance to get in there so do you have a guess of who might be the likeliest um oh uh rachel brosnahan right our beloved rachel brosnahan of miss of marvelous mrs basil why not Yeah, I mean, I like she won the Golden Globe. Like, obviously, she's got a, um, you know, she's gotten a lot of attention for the role. But as we've discussed, like the Golden Globes, like news better than the Emmys do. Um, But also like looking at it, like maybe Tracy Ellis Ross, because she's, you know, been a standout on that show for so long. Like, Allison Janney also has a million Emmys. I mean, Issa Rae has been standout. It, It does seem like there's some competition in there. 
and hard to pick. There could be the thinking of like Alice and Janney winning because she won an Oscar this year. You know, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's Janney's year or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I feel like Tracy Ellis Ross might be, you know, it might be her time. Because um, she won something else, didn't she? She won a Golden Globe or something, didn't she? Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross did win a Golden Globe last year for Blackish. Right. But I, I like to think that she'll win because she graced the cover of our special issue for the Emmys. Oh, yeah, uh, obviously. Recently. And so, you know, obviously, and that goes out to Academy voters. So um, I feel like... Maybe this could be her year. People love Pamela Adlon and Better Things. That show is, I think, a little bit tainted by its associations with Louis C.K. At the moment, it shouldn't be because Adlon is herself, you know, a great talent. But I don't know. I just feel like Tracy Ellis Ross kind of has the most behind her at the moment. Hey, everybody. I'm entertainment journalist Drew Taylor. And I'm filmmaker Charles Hood. And we host Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. But right now, we're about to launch our first ever universe-expanding miniseries. That's right. Get ready for Light the Fuse presents The Directors. We'll speak to filmmakers who have made iconic Paramount movies and get them to open up in a way that only we can. That's right. Listen to Light the Fuse presents The Directors wherever you get your podcasts. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. This episode is brought to you by Empower. Can you retire early? Will there be enough money to leave an inheritance? Do you have savings for life's important milestones? If you have money questions, Empower has answers so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. I wanted to bring our attention back to the guest actor categories, which we talked about a few weeks ago as kind of being the really fun one to predict. And Richard, I just wanted to give you credit. You pointed out guest actors in a drama series was going to be this insane throwdown of talented veteran actresses. Uh, and it didn't turn out like quite the way there were some surprises in there. But you've got Viola Davis, Cherry Jones, Diana Riggs, Cicely Tyson all facing off against each other. I mean, that's a I'd pick them in any battle. That's pretty great. I mean, I hope they're all there. And I hope they all are like in it to win it, serious, you know, game faced. I mean, I don't think that that Diana Rigg has a non game face, but um, in case she, you know, just in case. um, Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great category. I I don't watch The Handmaid's Tale, so I actually didn't even know that Cherry Jones was on it. And I don't know who Kelly Jeanrette is, but clearly that show has a pretty, pretty stacked roster of people. If Marissa Tomei was on it and couldn't get nominated, that must mean there's there are many more. She's in it for like two seconds. Okay. Yeah. That, that hasn't stopped people from getting nominated before. It's true. <laughs> but I would, I would like, I would be really surprised if Marissa Tomei got nominated for 
how very like it was fun to see her, but like she's she's barely in the in the show. So Richard, I think you also predicted Cameron Britton for Mindhunter, or at least mentioned that as someone who was a standout, and he got nominated in the guest actor category. So I'm I'm just giving you all your um, predictive credit. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, Everett Murray Abraham for Homeland. He's great on that. He, but, but you know, he and Jimmy Simpson with this Westworld nomination, both of them are barely in those seasons. So I feel like in some ways they're getting the nomination for the season previous, which is something that the Emmys kind of does sometimes because of the weird timing of television nowadays. We're like, you know, like we're talking about some shows that premiered a year ago um at this point so i mean jimmy simpson's in two episodes and like pretty healthily through two episodes of 10 and for a guest actor i don't think that that's like terribly no i know it's it's not but like i feel like his heavy lifting was in season one you're right you're right you know and f murray abrahams was in season six of homeland not season seven but like you know whatever i don't care it's fine like matthew good also like the guest actor you know like um requirements are sort of funny because you can be in like one episode or you can be in five but still build as a guest actor or or whatever the number is so it, it creates some funny things but, you know, further in the, in those categories, it's fun to see Tiffany Haddish nominated for Sat- her Saturday Night Live hosting gig. She was great. I wish that um, The Last OG, the show she's on with Tracy Morgan, had gotten any sort of love from anybody. But at least, you know, she's represented in some way there. Um, it's fun to have Tina Fey and Maya Rudolph nominated in the same category. It feels like the mid-2000s. <laughs> I was so excited for Maya Rudolph because I think she's so wonderful in The Good Place, which uh, yeah, Ted Danson really got nominated. Is. So I, I think it always deserves more from them. But I, I was especially excited to see her. So now, would this be Lin-Manuel Miranda's shot at an EGOT? No, because he doesn't have an Oscar. Yeah, he he was nominated for Moana, Lost Basic, and Paul, um, but is back for Mary Poppins. So if he won this time and they right. got an Oscar for Mary Poppins, I think there that would do it. He wrote songs for Mary Poppins. He wrote songs for Mary Poppins and for the upcoming Little Mermaid. So, um, oh yeah, interesting. you know, Disney will let him get one by hook or by crook. He'll get there. So, this is a crazy digression, but this is an award season podcast, and I just feel like um, I talked to a friend who saw um, A Star Is Born this week. What? And he said it was very good, and the lady thought uh, it was very good. I'm so wow. excited. Yeah. Speaking of song and Oscars and all that. Anyway, forget the Emmys. It's time for <laughs> movies that come out and. November. Yeah, basically, I I was like, oh, so she has already won the Golden Globe for, you know, actress in a comedy slash musical. And he was like, yes, that's correct. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Okay, I want to retract what I said, like, most assuredly that Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote Poppins songs. He did not. It's Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, uh, who wrote the original songs for the Poppins. Oh, uh, so he would have to win an acting Oscar. Okay, all right. I'm not as confident about that. Right. For his lamp lighting he might get a golden globe but i don't know about an oscar but uh so so let's just wait for a uh, little mermaid 2024 <laughs> whatever <laughs> going back to emmys you know i'm looking down at like now limited series or just in general like some surprising things like i, I was really surprised to see the alienist nominated uh in a limited yeah, series category yeah. when something like the looming tower was not and I feel like a lot more people were talking about the Looming Tower. But again, maybe that's we don't really necessarily know what all the voters are watching or paying attention to. And maybe something on more traditional basic cable, you know, kind of sexy gore and murder, like appealed to people more than like the lead up to a terrible event we already know is going to happen. Do you know why I know about the Alienist? Because it was advertised heavily during the SAG Awards, which air on TNT, which is what the Alienist is on. And I can imagine a lot of Emmy voters watching the SAG Awards. I don't know. This is, might be verging on conspiracy theory, but... uh 
That seems plausible to me. I know a lot of people really like The Alienist. And if the sinners, if, if we got representation for the sinner in there, I think The Alienist was, was definitely on that level. So, you know. Were you guys, I don't know if either of you guys watched Paterno, but I think there was a lot of shock that Al Pacino didn't make it in there for that. Because, like, that is the Emmy bait role of the century. I feel like people are just getting, like, less and less enamored of these, uh, you know, De Niro is made off sort of, like, um, HBO movies. I don't know. Am I wrong about that? I mean, nobody loved Paterno, so that definitely could be the case. They should have called it, though. <laughs> I mean, I guess a lot of, no, people, a lot of people did love Paterno, actually. Love <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was also excited to see Jesus Christ Superstar so well represented, not just for John Legend, but Sarah Bareilles and Brandon Victor Dixon uh, both got nominated, which like, I know NBC's big flashy musicals are not for everyone, but I liked this one a lot. And I think it's it's nice in that between Superstar getting as many nominations as it did, and, you know, Pacer and Paul getting nominated for A Christmas Story, like that these TV event musical things are getting that kind of encouragement from the industry, I think is, is nice because I like them, even though sometimes they're very clunky. I, I think Superstar kind of got it the most right. I think we all agree that, yeah, that this is the good one. <laughs> yeah, because like ha- the, the live audience is really the key because, yeah, you know, yeah. when, when there's no reaction at the, at the end of a song, it's very strange and unsettling, especially if Matthew Broderick is is following the actors around. I, I think that's 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 exciting. And I'm just excited. Like, I think it's fun that, like, Sarah Bareilles has an acting Emmy nomination. <laughs> it's just so, like, unlikely, you know, if you, when, when her career started. Also, th- to go back a little bit, Limo Miranda already has an Emmy. He won for Outstanding Music and Lyrics for writing the opening song for the Tonys in 2014. Right. Right. Okay, that's right. Because Moana would have been his final piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that we no longer um, look at everything through the lens of Trump. That that makes me really happy. We don't? Uh, We try not to. (laughs) But Samantha Bee getting nominated feels like, uh, you know, at least maybe the most political uh, nomination on the list, right? Because... um, she was recently in, you know, embroiled in a controversy around something that she said about Ivanka Trump, and she was forced to apologize, this whole thing. And actually, like, the TV Academy has snubbed Samantha Bee in the past. So for them to put their support behind her feels like as much of a statement as anything else on this nomination list. Yeah, and we should, um, I mean, this will be something we can talk about as the, as the show gets closer, but um, you've got all these, like, very political, like, fiery um, hosts nominated in the variety series category, and then you've got uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost hosting, who are kind of, uh, like, more middle-of-the-road compared to the Samantha Bees of the world, um, so it'll be a really interesting contrast, especially, God knows what's going to be going on politically by then, but uh, I'm sure there'll be something everyone is mad that they won't talk about. Is there anything that was nominated that now makes you think, oh, I have to go watch that? Ooh, what a great question. I got behind on Barry. I watched like the first four episodes and then I got behind. And um, I've heard such good things from everyone. But that I love Bill Hader. Um, and so like I want to root for him. So I want to be informed when I root for him. So I want to finish that uh, before the ceremony for sure. Um, I have this eternal feeling about The Handmaid's Tale, which I think we talked about when it returned for its new season, um, that I just feel like I should be watching it and can never work up the uh, the guts to do it. And I also, I don't know, should I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? <laughs> like, that one feels, like, it popped up in there, and I just don't remember there being a new season at all. Like, I, I can't decide if I feel that impulse on that one. Yeah, I think I started the season and then sort of didn't uh, follow through on it. Um, so maybe it, maybe it's worth revisiting. I mean, for me, like, I, one of my big blind spots is I've only ever seen one episode of The Americans. 
So like, oh, me too. I I've seen the pilot episode. And, yeah. But doesn't it feel so daunting at this point? It feels very daunting. Maybe like, less daunting is something like Patrick Melrose, which just had like a limited season. Like I should watch that. It got some nominations, you know. Um, but yeah, but I mean, the Americans like that feels like a huge <laughs> blind spot to have. But like, it's so many seasons. Oh, the one, the big one for me is that I never watched the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. Um, oh, which got nominated for TV movie, and then Jesse Plemons got nominated, and I think Letitia Wright also got nominated. No, she got nominated for another Black Mirror. A different, yeah. She was so good in that Black Mirror episode. She's really good in that. Yeah. I loved her nomination because I was like, oh, they all saw Black Panther. And we're like, please get Letitia Wright in our club as much as as possible. It's interesting because uh, I would maybe not give Jesse Plemons the the nomination for that particular episode. I would give it to uh, Chris Emiliotti in that episode. It's very interesting to me that, like, that's the performance they're rewarding when hers is the, like, defiant performance in in reaction to it i don't know it's very interesting messaging as far as i'm concerned that yeah. uh, jesse plummins is nominated for that episode even though i love jesse plummins he should have won for fargo he should have won for breaking bad should have won friday night lights he's a great 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 actor i was just like really jesse not christine in that episode okay yeah so. but katie you should watch it it's so fun it's really good yeah and again, like unlike seven seasons of The Americans, it feels it feels <laughs> yeah, possible. Exactly. <laughs> unlike a lot of these other things, have has anyone watched Godless? I don't even think I knew yeah. what it was before these nominations happened. I've seen it. Uh, it's good. I mean, it's like a pretty straightforward western with, I guess, one, the twist being that um, it takes place in and around a town that's mostly women because all their men died in a mining accident. So it has this kind of like feminist take on things with like Merritt Weavers is kind of like tough lesbian. Michelle Dockery is like a pioneer woman who's living on her own with her, well, with her kids, but I know you love Merritt Weaver Richard. So that seems like a good selling. Yes. Yes. And she's really good on it. Uh, and, uh, but then Jeff Daniels and Jack O'Connell come in and they kind of like take center stage and you're like, wait, so is this actually about women or not? But <laughs> I know that was that was the main criticism. I think a lot of a lot of women I know got really excited about it and went to go watch it because it was sort of positioned as this like all female Western show. And then it just wasn't. No, that, it's really not. It was yeah. really mismarketed uh, the way my beloved my beloved blockers was. And so like but in the reverse way. So I think a lot of people who like felt sort of soured on it was because they felt like they were sold the wrong uh, a different show, you know, so but it is like in terms of Westerns, like it's it's fun. It's well acted. It's beautifully shot. Um, so and like I think for an older Academy voter, like it's very familiar and sort of has this. I mean, there were years like in the 90s, I feel like when they were like Western like TV movies all the time, like Lonesome Dove or whatever. They were always getting nominated for Emmys and like even, you know, into other things like on cable. Like, I don't think that like Longmire ever got nominated for anything, but like, you know, like Westerns have a long, long history on television. And so it's not surprising to see Godless there, um, despite it being a new, you know, newfangled Netflix form. Speaking of Westerns, and to go back to the beginning for a second, but uh, Zon McLaren, who we talked about so much from his one big Westworld episode, not being nominated in Guest Actor, bummed me out as much as I also like Jimmy Simpson. I think they put him up for supporting, if I'm not mistaken. But oh, really? Mistaken. Yeah. Wow. Well, all the same. Yeah, he was in supporting category. If he were snubbed in the guest uh, category of you know for Jimmy Simpson, I would ha- be pitching a fit. But he was in a different category. It's still a snub that I'm bugged about, but not as badly as if they had picked Jimmy Simpson over him. So yeah, that that seems entirely reasonable. All right, any like maybe to wrap it up, like, whoever you're rooting for hard now, like maybe someone who you didn't think that you cared about winning an Emmy, but now you do. Like, what, what's your rooting interest? As we, I guess we have about two months before the actual awards. 
Um, I mean, okay, I, I'm going to like cheat and give you a different answer, <laughs> which is that uh, <laughs> I'm like really now like full all aboard the Nicolette Coaster Waldo uh, Emmy Express. Like this is this is a passion project for me now. I think that's the totally right answer. Well, but it's not like I it, unexpected. It's not like oh, I didn't think I'd be rooting for him. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always rooting for you. But yeah, and then I guess. An unexpected one. I mean, I guess I didn't even think about Darren Chris before this. Not that I didn't think he would get nominated, but I guess I didn't even think about him being like necessarily the front runner in his category. It feels like he kind of is, and I I would be really excited about that. I don't know. I I was considering for another podcast I do. I was trying to consider like the best TV of 2018 so far, and what happens to me a lot is like the shows that I do podcasts about wind up being the shows that I care the most about because they're the shows that I like have really really dug into. And so Versace's made my list because Richard and I spent so much time talking about it, and it's really great. And so like I just I feel I feel this momentum but behind Versace in a way that I wouldn't if it were just another Ryan Murphy thing that I had watched sort of on my own. And so yeah, I think for that reason I'm throwing throwing my chips on on Darren as well. How about you, Richard? I think that's a good one. Um, you know, I guess we should just, you know, continue on with like podcasts that Joanna and I have done. But like, I'm I'm rooting for Jeffrey Wright for Westworld. Like, I, I'm looking at the other people he's nominated with in that category. Um, some have won before. Some kind of don't need the win. But I just feel like Jeffrey Wright is such a workhorse. He's been such a, you know, a solid actor for so many years. Um, and he's great on Westworld. And he's kind of the heart of the show. So I think that that would be a good win for that show, which I feel like a lot of the categories it's nominated in, it's not likely to win. Yeah. I feel like if it was going to win one, maybe that, that this would be a good one. I mean, obviously Tandy Newton, too, but like um, I think she was nominated before. So I think I'm going to pull really hard for Bill Hader specifically. I like Barry mm. a lot, but I think he is so good on it. And in the lead actor in a, a comedy category, it's a I mean, Donald Glover is like having such a year as we've talked about. Like, obviously, I love Ted Danson in The Good Place, but I don't know. It, it's It feels possible. Bill Hader's just been in the industry for so long. Um so I think that he that's going to be where I lay my chips. And I think they like to reward like multi-hyphenates, right? And so because, yeah. you know, yeah. Bill Hader did more than just act in the show. I mean, that's why Donald one of the reasons why Donald Glover has won so often in the past, right? Because of all of the creative input he does in Atlanta. Uh, ditto like Aziz Ansari and stuff like that. So um, I could see it going that way for him. But I could also see Donald Glover just sort of neutralizing that, that advantage that he has. Um, but I do love Bill Hader. Uh, and, you know, along with, like, what if he and Keenan Thompson both won I was just year? thinking that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know SNL's track record of actors winning, like, in regular categories is pretty thin, so it seems like it would be challenging for Keenan to win, but, I mean, as we said, like, he's been such a value to the show for so long. I mean, if Alec Baldwin wins and Keenan doesn't, that I will, I will throw something through the TV. Um, Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we will have plenty more to talk about with the Emmys as the uh, campaigns get going leading up to the awards themselves in September um, and lots of television to talk about. Have we plugged Sharp Objects on this show yet? I don't think we have. There's a new season of Still Watching that everyone should listen to. Um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about how that's going so far? Uh, it's been going well. You know, it's just me and Joanna talking about Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson and murder, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, stuff we're, we're talking about anyway. So. Might as well record it. We might rebrand the show Still Watching Hog Heat because that's a yep. phrase that Richard said five times, I think, in the last episode. <laughs> no, it's a great show. And um, like the more I watch it, the more impressed I like the more I watch episodes, the more impressed I am with the episodes. We've got a great interview with uh, Gillian Flynn, who wrote the book and also wrote Gone Girl and uh, co-wrote the series. Uh, she she 
talk to us for the podcast that will be up uh, after episode two this Sunday night. But yeah, it's you know we're going to have interviews with the actors and and the creatives behind it. And I think there's just like a lot to dig into. You know, something there's just stuff about the episode that even though I watch it multiple times, uh, viewers discovered uh, uh, fun you know stuff I missed. And so there's just a lot to dig into. Uh, and I'm excited to have a fun summer, a fun murdery. Uh, summer show with Richard. <laughs> yes, and speaking of things to dig into, I'm I'm looking a little bit at Twitter and seeing this was an all Emmys episode. We will be talking, I assume, at some point about the, the trailer for things like Mary Queen of Scots and oh a couple God. other yeah. I think like, next week's fall episode, trailers. Yeah, I think next week's episode is all trailers because there's yeah. been a lot to catch up on in the last few <laughs> yeah. weeks. So um, fear so not, this has not become solely a television podcast. We will have our heads chopped off, I think, if we didn't talk about Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I am full of topical humor. <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for this week's little gold men thank you as always for listening uh please tell people about it have them join us as we uh ramp up for oscar season because it's truly never too soon uh, you can find us all at vanityfair.com where there's lots of writing about the emmy nominations including from joanna and richard uh you can find all of us on twitter at little gold men and on our own i'm at katie rich richard rylaws and joanna jarothis this episode was edited and produced by daniel roth and this week's award for the reason why Little Gold Men was snubbed once again goes to Katie Rich. My guess is it was just too weird for the Emmys. This episode was brought to you by Empower. Are you ready for life's important milestones? What will your retirement look like? Do you know your net worth? Empower can help answer your money questions so you don't have to worry. With a real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you can get clarity on your real-life financial goals. Join 18 million Americans and take control of your financial future to empower what's next. Start today at Empower.com. This episode of Little Gold Men is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. They have everything from iconic directors to emerging auteurs. There is always something new to discover because with MUBI, each and every film is hand-selected so you can explore incredible movies streaming anytime, anywhere. Right now, they have a film collection for performers we love, and they are highlighting one of this year's Oscar frontrunners, Lily Gladstone. So I am here with David Canfield to talk about how much we love Lily Gladstone, and especially her film that is now on movie, Certain Women. David, fond memories there. Fond memories. What an introduction. None of us knew who she was before that film, um, but it's quite a thing to be in a Kelly Reichard film with Michelle Williams, Kristen Stewart, and Laura Dern and completely steal it. And uh, now we're talking about it to this day. You can try MUBI for free for 30 days at MUBI.com slash LittleGoldMen. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash LittleGoldMen for a whole month of great cinema for free movie.com slash little gold men from PR.